the Internet's most listened to talk radio network, VoiceAmerica.com, with Joyce Bender and Disability Matters. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to our show. And before we start the show today, I have a special, very special birthday greetings to Jim and Jean Saletti, two best parents in the world that anyone could have. Happy birthday to both of you. Do I hear any music? Hey, best parents anyone could ever have, and I wish both of you the very best. You know, my life, I am very blessed. I have been blessed in my life with a great family, great husband, great friends, best employees in the entire world, and you know what? Some of the best customers who really I consider friends. And one of those blessings, Rex Althoff, President currently Federated Services Corporation. He is the Chief Information Officer, Head of Technology, really running the whole show as the CIO, is one of those blessings in my life, one of the best people I know. And speaking of birthdays, he has a really great birthday, too, because it's on December 7th. Rex, welcome to the show. Well, good afternoon, Joyce, and thank you for having me. It's a blessing to be here. Well, I'm thrilled to know you. So you know, Rex, Chief Information Officer at Federated Investors in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, as you'll be hearing in a minute, has a very illustrious career, very successful. But let me just say one thing about him before we get started. He is genuine. He is a man of integrity, and I just couldn't speak highly enough of him. But I'm sure the listeners want to hear you, Rex, and not me. So why don't you first tell our listeners a little bit about Federated Investors so they'll know what the company does, the size, uh, you know, the whole orientation of your company. Okay, I'd be glad to. Uh, Federated Investors, as Joyce has mentioned, we're headquartered here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We're a uh, world-class investment management organization, uh, basically kind of a mutual fund, kind of a company that uh, has grown to become one of the nation's largest investment managers. And as the industry is measured, we manage today about $213 billion of assets under management. Uh, about $30 billion of that comes from equity, and then the, the money market and uh, fixed income is where the majority of our business lies. And so we're obviously a very large company in the industry there. Uh, so we're, we're, we're excited about that. It's obviously a change in my direction in terms of I used to grow up, I grew up in manufacturing, but uh, this has been investment financial services type of company, and we're doing quite well, and and every year is a growth year for us, and a lot of innovation and changes going on in the, in the industry that's highly regulated, but uh, always uh, challenging. Yes, well, you've certainly done a great job there, and uh, Rex, you were saying about your background prior to this, you do have a, you've been an executive in IT for quite a while, and I knew you prior to Federated, uh, how about telling our listeners a little bit about your career prior to joining the company? Sure, I'd be glad to. Uh, I was really fortunate. I uh, out of college, uh, well, actually was in college. I did an internship in the summer and uh, joined a company out of college uh, many, many years ago uh, and 
that was Miles Laboratories. Miles Inc. It became later known. It was in the healthcare sector. And early on in my career, uh, to kind of get the whole thing started, I was fortunate enough. I started as an applications programmer. Didn't do a whole lot of that for very long, and found myself in supervision and management within five years. And uh, have been fortunate to uh, spend uh, since that time. Uh, a career of over 25 years in a whole variety of management positions that started started there. And from a company's perspective, Miles, uh, you know, kind of quickly was acquired by Bayer Gay in the late 1970s, and they had been acquiring a variety of organizations around the world. And obviously, the United States was a focus for them, and they've got into the chemical side of the industry and the print and reproduction side, and they got into healthcare, which we were the acquisition. And uh, created a holding company called Buyer USA, which happened to be here in Pittsburgh. And one of the companies that was part of the family was a company called Mobe Chemical, which was headquartered here in Pittsburgh. And then in the 1990s, uh, you know, I'll just back up just a second. Before that all transpired, as, as part of that journey, I spent most of my time on the business side, and I was really fortunate to work in all aspects of the business, from maybe from manufacturing to finance to sales. I, on the road with the sales force uh, for a couple of years, always kind of in the highest profession, but on a business consulting kind of a thing and running uh, a bunch of business analyst teams and also programming teams and the like. Always had a lot to say about technology to the people who ran technology for us from the customer's perspective. And then in the uh, 19, uh, late 1980s, I got the opportunity because of some changes to become responsible for the whole technology arm. So I took a whole career change. At the time, I, my wife thought I was having a midlife crisis. She began to believe I was having a few more after that, I think. <laughs> but uh, I did make a change into the technology and started then managing lead a group of people that I really had you know, no real day-to-day knowledge of what a system programmer or a network te- technician did. And uh, that started me down that road. And then when, uh, in the early 1990s, kind of put a seal in this journey after a lot of acquisitions and divestitures in, in our business, Bayer decided to uh, consolidate its U.S. operations into an operating company structure, uh, centralizing, believing there'd be a lot of synergies, and as I call it, uh, had the opportunity to come to Pittsburgh, which was deemed to be the headquarters of this new operating model, and uh, the company's names, all the affiliates were changed to Miles, Inc., took the Miles name because it was the most consumer-recognizable. Uh, because we were into the one-a-day vitamins and the Alka-Seltzer and the Bactine, those things that people would recognize. Uh, most of the other businesses sold to manufacturers, so the average consumer really didn't have name recognition. So Miles, Inc. was chosen at the time, and I was one of the lucky seven, I guess, as we call it, that got to come to headquarters to um, begin to create consolidation and, and synergies and efficiencies for this, consoli- this newly formed company. And uh, that's when I moved to Pittsburgh in 1992 for that reason. I started here in January 1, and I'll never, my wife let me forget it, I actually moved the family here on Mother's Day. Oh, my <laughs> when goodness. we left uh, Indiana, the state of Indiana, which is where we lived, uh, near South Bend. Where the, well, Miles was actually headquartered in Elkhart, and uh, we made the move to Pittsburgh. And that's how I got to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And my first assignment was the consolidation of all the North American data centers, a bunch of mainframe data centers, and uh, I was head of all technology for this new company. So that's how I really got started in Pittsburgh, uh, kind of doing the same job for Miles, but doing it for the whole buyer entity for the North American operations. And then 
I guess my next real major step, and there's always you know little steps along the way. Uh, my next real major change was that uh, we decided to get into in the mid '90s a re-engineering effort from the business standpoint, and our parent in Germany uh, had decided on SAP as an integrated software package uh, that uh, led us to. Uh, uh, choosing that, obviously, like our parent did, and I then began to head up a reengineering effort in terms of implementing a uh, new system that was going to completely re-architecture the way we did business. And so I spent my last several years working on that, leading up to how we're going to run it from an international perspective, as we call it, kind of, you know, they follow the sun around the globe um, in terms of the three regions of the world. And uh, then in late 1999, uh, Unbeknownst, I was not looking and not looking to make a change. Uh, we was recruited pretty heavily and kept getting pursued and kept saying I wasn't interested. And finally, after a dinner uh, one evening uh, with the CEO here, that we decided uh, there might be something worth pursuing discussions. At least they did, and they kept pursuing me. And at one point in time, they made me a life uh, an offer I couldn't refuse. So, in the late 1999, I decided 1999 decided to leave what had been about a 29-year career. Uh, my wife now thought I was really having a midlife crisis. Why would I do this at this late state in my game to change into an industry, which is financial services, which I knew nothing about? But I was hired, I think, primarily because of my reengineering business side view of things, not my technology uh, necessarily, although that was a, always a part of this job. But it was more around the reengineering business change that I brought to the firm, which I'd always been involved with. I've been fortunate enough to always be involved in the latest new changes through buyer uh, and miles before that and I uh, was fortunate enough then to use that to kind of launch myself I guess into this career which has now been well over six years here at Federated. can't believe it. Time goes so quickly because I've known Rex as he was with Bayer Corporation uh, in the leadership role there before he made this move over to Federated uh, which Federated, didn't they recently have like a 50-year Anniversary? Yes, we did. We just uh, celebrated our 50th year anniversary. <clears throat> we were formed in 1955. So, um, well, congratulations. Probably, thank you. Congratulations. I know Federated has been very successful. Um, a question that I wanted to ask you, Rex, and by the way, you were saying you were recruited because of this reengineering and expertise and all that, but you know, you're a very humble man. Let me tell you, he's recruited because he's a great leader in addition to having all these other skills. But a question I have for you, Rex, a lot of people are afraid to move from manufacturing or engineering, you know, to healthcare or to finance mm-hmm. uh, because they think it would be too hard. And actually, you know, I give federated kudos to them that, you know, that they weren't uh, so close-minded because there are corporations, I know because I've placed CIOs, where if it's healthcare, they want healthcare. You know what I mean? If it's yep. banking, they want banking. You know, how do you feel about that? Well, that's a good question, and uh, I would say uh, my probably my thoughts might have been that way earlier in my career, especially in management, but when I made the transition from what had been a training all-around business and around applications to a whole technology side of the arm back in that Miles day, that was when I realized, and it was pointed out to me, that if you're an effective leader, then you should be able to lead basically any business unit or any part of the business. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I became to learn, what I learned in that process and what I've learned since, and I think it's been, there's probably one of those things that helped me, I think, say, oh, maybe this is not so bad. All the doors, as I say, were open to come. Nothing said leave, but everything said come. 
And the, I think the, the issue I learned back in that transition, which I've used many times since, is that you need to rely, first of all, on your organization. And when you don't understand the business details or the day-to-day workings, then I think you're even become, you can be more effective because you're not burdened by your, by your prejudices of the past or, you know, your history that sometimes gets in the way of your objectivity. And so what I've learned, and I learned coming here, was that I had to rely on the staff. I had to rely on my leadership to basically point the direction. And my job was just to steer and lead, but their job was to know the business. Now, obviously, over time, you need to understand the business and learn it, and you can do that to a point. But it, if you're so far down in the, de- uh, the details, then you many times lose your ability to effectively lead, in my opinion. So... Uh, I'm not. I've learned from that, and, and I think that really helped me make this transition. Uh, there's always that uncertainty you come in with, but hey, if you've got good people, which is the name of the game, what I realized as a leader that not one thing can I do anymore. <laughs> that uh, the organization really needs to do the job, and so you have to rely on other people. When you do that, is when you're most effective. When you try to do it all yourself, I think you just kill yourself and won't be successful, and and that builds, I think, a lot of false feelings in yourself and. And uh, maybe build you up, but at the same time, I think set you up for failure in the long run, in my opinion. So I would challenge anyone to make that change uh, on that reason. If you're not comfortable working with people and letting people do their jobs, then maybe you shouldn't be in management. That's sort of my perspective. And uh, I think that I've seen many people step up, given the opportunity, uh, where in the past, if they had someone that knew the business so well, they were really, you know, their, their capabilities were overshadowed by the fact that their immediate supervisor knew so much and basically just told them what to do and said they were more puppets and and were allowed to think. Well, you know what? I agree with you 100%. And you are an example of that success. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Rex Althoff, Chief Information Officer at Federated Investors, President of Federated Services Company. He is a great leader in this this country, a good role model for all CIOs. You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to voiceamerica.com. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S. and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. 
Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkgaard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Invoke thought, feeling, and inspiration into your life right here on voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back, and if you just tuned in, you are listening to Rex Althoff as we celebrate Chief Information Officer Month, and he is the Chief Information Officer at Federated Investors and truly a great leader in this country um, and Rex, we have a question for you from a listener that was sent in, and this is from the state of New Jersey. And it's funny because it seems we've had a similar form of a question uh, last week, but this question is from Darren. And the question is, uh, hello, Mr. Aldhoff. Uh, it's very nice to have this opportunity to speak to you. My question is, with all the outsourcing going on in the United States, is it worth me pursuing this master's degree in computer science and pursuing a career that leads to being a CIO, or will the CIO 15 years from now live in India? <laughs> well, good question. Um, well, I'll, I'll give you my perspective on these things. I may not be the, I don't know if it's the general rule or, or the majority opinion or not. Uh, first of all, uh, I look at outsourcing, and from my perspective, I sort of say, what's the big deal? <laughs> and it may be a simplified thing. The reason would be I came out of an international company, buyer, and uh, we basically looked at, uh, we were very, you know, we were a global company, and we basically moved work around the world, even though there was most of the work in the U.S. was done in the U.S., but we would always look at that as a, as an opportunity. Uh, so I don't see outsourcing as any big threat. Uh, to me, outsourcing, whether it's onshore or offshore, is the same issue. It is whether or not there's, I think there's a few factors. My opinion has been that most outsourcing um, has been uh, more, I think, uh, sort of one of these market hype things, and I believe that uh, there, while there are benefits, I'm not necessarily putting it down by any stretch of the imagination, I do believe there are, oper- there are times to move things outside the company. And in the outsourcing perspective, it is where uh, what is the core mission of your firm, and where, in this case, does technology fit into it? And in some cases, we try to do too many things within our firms, and some of those things that don't add a lot of value, maybe someone else to do for us. And I know within Federated, uh, there are many of our business functions that we move outside the firm, and when we do so, we move the technology support along with it. I'm more of a believer that that's a better model. If the business doesn't belong in the firm, then why does technology belong in the firm, or vice versa? If we're going to move technology out, then why not move the business? 
Now, at the same time, I also understand that over the years, many technology organizations, in my opinion, become they become run by technologists more than business people. And what happens is they start chasing technology because of suppliers and relationships. and They lose sight of the real mission of the business and the financial impact that obviously technology can have. And in many cases, many outsourcing opportunities have come because the internal organization could not effectively manage the function they had from a financial perspective, and it became very cost prohibitive to keep it in-house. There's also some firms, I think, to generate short-term issues, savings, that create outsourcing opportunities for a one-time advantage, but long-term don't realize what they've done. And so I'm very cautious about it, although we do share our share of outsourcing. We have done some offshore. Uh, I don't believe, I think there, I always look at it this way. Today has been cheap. I mean, five years ago was a lot cheaper, maybe. Uh, cost is not the real issue. And in a firm that many, many firms obviously are driven by cost only, and my contention is if you're driven by cost, you'll get cost, and eventually you won't have any money left to do anything with. And our strategy more in Federated is while we're very concerned and we watch, watch our, our management of our money and how we spend our money very closely, that our focus is on grow the business first. And we should spend our time and money growing the business, not necessarily trying to save money. But at the same time, there's an expectation that everything we do should be financially attractive for the firm. So we're always looking at the most effective cost perspective. And I look at it this way. Inside the firm, I don't have to make a profit. Outsourcers, wherever you are, have to make a profit. Mm-hmm. So quite frankly, if I can't do it effectively, then I'll move it outside. And that's some of the testing. I always benchmark myself. I look to move certain functions out occasionally to see how well I'm doing. Quite frankly, if I can figure out how people are doing it less expensive, then I'll do it in-house first, take the low-hanging fruit, and then let the officers have at it. So to get around to Darren's question, though, the long short of it in terms of a career, uh, first of all, I don't believe that any degree of outsourcing is going to eliminate the need of a CIO. As a matter of fact, I think the position is changing, and it's going to be more and more important moving forward because irregardless of where the work is done, Someone has to be accountable to ensure that the technology delivery is secured, the information is secured, that things are delivered when they're supposed to be delivered, and the business continues to grow. And if you want to move all that outside the firm, it means no one's accountable. And I don't see a CEO taking that responsibility or a CFO because in itself it is, it is contrary to what their positions are. I don't believe the CIO's role is in any jeopardy. I do believe it's, it will continue to change more towards the business, less the technology, and you use outside people to help the technology or some organization, but there's the role in itself, I don't see it going away for a long, long time. If not, I see it even getting more important to most firms. Well, Rex, uh, one question that I have asked all the CIOs so far this month is I have asked them this same question. I asked them to identify the biggest issues they deal with every day, you know, the, the whatever keeps them up at night, <laughs> but what they worry about the most what would you say are your biggest issues? Well, there are obviously there's probably too many lists, but the big ones that come to my mind would be first of all is to uh, number one be sure uh, you know we're in a very regulated environment and every company is to some degree uh, being a public company in the financial area that we're in. My number one responsibility is to ensure that everything we do conforms to all the compliance and privacy laws that we now are faced with and becoming more and more 
prevalent in all of the things we do in terms of information uh, sharing and information usage to our customers and to ourselves. And with everything going on, security and compliance and privacy, SOX, gram bleach, body compliance, whatever it may be, the SEC rules that we're into uh, probably are the ones that, uh, that I would say is number one. Uh, that's our number one challenge. The same time behind that is that everything is happening so much quicker. So the speed and flexibility that our business is requiring us to operate in, in, the, in, I go back to the old days, we used to have six months to a year to a year and a half to do anything. I can remember it used to take us you know, six months to get a new telephone line installed, a new communication line installed. Today's world, we make decisions, and tomorrow we want to execute. It's maybe a little bit of an exaggeration. We're not far from that. Mm-hmm. And so our challenge really is how do we have a, a nimble organization that under a minute can basically change its direction and deliver products and services connectivity systems in a very short amount of time. And we're talking days and months, not, and days, weeks and months, not months and years like we used to. And so the challenge, therefore, to, to comply to that business requirement is how do we technically create an environment, both from a process perspective and a technology and a standards perspective, that, number one, gives us the efficiencies to be reasonable cost, not always cheapest, right, that uh, keeps us safe and secure, that gives us the flexibility to provide services that our customers want and do this on a, on a moment's notice. Those things, and I could go on with a whole mess of other items, but those probably three things combined really is where I guess, if you want to say losing sleep, I don't think I lose a lot of sleep, I, but I do I do always keep in the forefront of my mind understanding that, first of all, I've got to support the business to grow the business. I've got to do it very quick, be nimble, and then I've got to keep us in a state of compliance and legally safe. And nowhere else in the firm is there anyone that has the purview that we do from how information is moved around the electronic enterprise and about everything is electronic. Even everything is printed comes from electronic source these days. And so being the owner of not all the information within the actual databases and files, but I'm responsible for all data and information in, in general. So I have to ensure that whatever people do with it is not in violation of any of these rules, and that is becoming a real complex. So you have to stay on top of all of the latest legal things going on in our industry. And at the same time, you got to understand the business that the firm is in, and then thirdly, you got to understand the information technology business. And I think there lies what keeps me up. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that is a major responsibility. You can see why you have to be very thorough in everything that you do, including the people you have working with you, because, um, you know, that is an enormous responsibility. And you're right. It is more to the point today as far as being, you know, checked by the government than ever before, you yep. know, with the things that have happened in the past you know, several years. We see every day of, of, of identities and, and information being lost or stolen. I mean, you know, five years ago, who read about a tape that you had off-site that was being shipped out there that got lost? Mm-hmm. Today you have to disclose it to the public that they had information that was lost. In many states now, it's not a national law yet, but many states have different rulings on this. So you have, not only do we have national rules, but every state now is getting different privacy rules, and you have to abide by that state's laws if you have information about constituents, there's the personal nature within those states. If something happens that it was lost or someone got into something they shouldn't have got into, 
and it's very difficult to stay on top of all that changing legislation. <laughs> and you can then see why also uh, security is so so important in IT today. It is critical. I mean, we have to ensure, and we have multiple levels because everybody today, it's, everyone's trying to get into you for whatever yep. reason. Yeah, you know, cyberspace attack, yep. that's for sure. Yep. Well, listen, we'll be right back. We're going to break, but you are listening to Rex Althoff, my guest on Chief Information Officer Month. He is the CIO at Federated Investors and President of Federated Services Company. We love having him. This is Joyce Bender, the voice of VoiceAmerica.com. We'll be right back. You want the truth? Face the facts. This is VoiceAmerica.com. Depend on it. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S. and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Ever wonder what's in your future? Why you are the way you are? Or what your dreams really mean? Then tune in and call in to the Jackie Marie Show with professional psychic Jackie Marie. With over a reported 90% accuracy in her psychic predictions, Jackie Marie answers your questions on psychic phenomenon, dream interpretation, numerology, astrology, hypnosis, recognizing your own psychic gifts, and so much more. Along with her co-host, Alan Richard, Jackie also provides her psychic insight on celebrities, politicians, new items, and a mystery of the week. That's the Jackie Marie Show, broadcast every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 Eastern, on voiceamerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling. Whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 
here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to voiceamerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back, and we are talking to Rex Althoff, President of Federated Services Company Dash Technology and Chief Information Officer. And I just want to mention that, talk about a person who has had a career who skyrocketed. You know, he was Chief Information Officer only, Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer at Federated, and just recently was named President of Federated Services Company. So not only are we having a CIO on this month, we're having President. This is President and CIO Month with you on, Rex. Thank you. <laughs> That's wonderful and a very deserving promotion, may I say. Very, Thank you very deserving. Much. Um, I'm, I want to move ahead here for a minute to talk to you about, of course, what's important to me, and that's employment of people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. And as far as I'm concerned, you have been an exemplary leader helping me find employment for people with disabilities, even when you were with Bayer before you joined Federated Investors. Just so all of you know, I'll never forget, never forget this. This one day I called Rex. I had met this young man who had been in an automobile accident, um, and I had met him, of course, after he just left rehab. He had been in an automobile accident, went through the windshield of the car, paralyzed, you know, a person with paraplegia, 500 stitches in his face. And I met him, and he had, like, the greatest attitude. I mean, just the most fantastic attitude. He just wanted a chance. He impressed me so much that I said, who could I call that would help me? And, of course... I call Rex Althoff, and I said, Rex, I want to tell you about this person. You know, is there anything we can do? You know, I really want to help him, and within, like, a, you know, that day, I was able to employ him through vendor consulting services, and now today, Rex, guess what? He will be moving on to buyer in a supervisory role yeah, because no, of you. I heard that. It's great. Yes, because of you. That's not because um, of me, because of, because of what he did. Yep. <laughs> Well, but, but if I don't have people like you that open the door, yeah. I can't let those people do that. So, you know, my question for uh, that I'd like you to talk about to the people listening to the show today is why are there so few people like you? You know, why are there so many other leaders that do not do what you do, which is just open the door? Well, that's a good question. I guess I've thought about that off and on. Uh, I'm not sure there's anything intentional I've done per se, uh, but I guess it, it, it has been something that's been intentional because if you don't focus on something, you probably never have it happen. Why don't other people do it? I, you know, I guess that we're all sort of uh, we're all sort of in a I think in a box, and our box tends to be what we're comfortable with and what we know and don't know, or with what we know. And we're not real comfortable dealing with things we don't know. And many of us, uh, when I go back in my history, uh, if it weren't for situations that I was exposed to, maybe I'd be in that same box. I don't know. Uh, one of my early on, uh, back in the early days of Miles, 
in my first five or six years, uh, I got to know a gentleman in our organization who uh, had an, an accident somewhat similar to the one you referenced to where he lost his sight and had been uh, educated, had already had some work experience, and now he had uh, no sight. And we uh, employed him as a basically programmer. This is back you know, many years ago where there wasn't a lot of technology but even then, there was technology that he could read, uh, you know, books and, and, and things, and we put in a special technology for him a little bit to help him do his job. But he became a real effective programming analyst for us. And in doing that, I think maybe early on, I was exposed to to recognize, and then there's been some other situations around that time we had people with disabilities that we employed that were maybe not as extreme as what he had, but all were uh, very loyal, very uh, very supportive, and very productive employees. And I guess what it recognized, and as we moved on, and we've been through in our industry, obviously, a, you know, a glut of people, then a shortage of people. It seems like it goes up and down <laughs> the years I've worked. And one of the things that became apparent were that uh, these folks uh, in this classification seemed to be more available. And uh, we were able to occasionally, and there wasn't anyone like yourself, Jeff, Joyce, or your organization that was even there. And so these individuals on their own, and it was not easy to even find them. We were not looking for them, per se. And we would even ask that question, but as someone came across someone they'd heard that was looking for something and having difficulty, not even getting an interview, or if they would show up interviews, would be you know kind of very quickly you know dealt with the interview and be done. Uh, we went out and uh, you know had the opportunity to to employ a couple other folks uh, after that. Well, long story short, uh, when you called me, uh, number one, uh, it's not that day to day that I have had a lot of exposure myself up at that point in time, but I had enough to say, and knowing that the market being like it was, uh, that it's another just another avenue to uh, attract and retain people from, and so. Why is it any different? They're basically individuals. And so one of the things we've always been, I think, you know, one of the things I've believed in for a long time was there, we should be classifying, classifying people by a lot of categories. And this is another form of classification. And sometimes classifications tend to stay on and not get broken if you don't understand it. And, uh, so when you call me Joyce, it was, I was comfortable with it to a point. I mean, I didn't have a problem, but on the other hand, I recognized that this new organization I was here in Pittsburgh and you know really may have more of an issue and so you know finding individuals you know, I think if you look around any organization you will find and if you know your employees well enough you will find individuals that have a family member or a close acquaintance at some point there'll be somebody or some group of them that will have family members with some sort of disability and when you find that and you find them at the right areas then they become supporters and in fact, they understand as well as anybody that these people are no different than you and I. Mm-hmm. They are just dealt with some other, they got some other complications. But when you look at what they've had to overcome compared to what I've had to overcome, and they have the attitude and commitment to them, they're 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 almost a preference to go out and hire. If you find the skill set you want, they come with so many additional things that you don't always find in, in a hire from the outside. Uh, I think the answer to your question, though, why don't other people? I think it's, it's a lack of knowledge. It's a it's a fear, and I think you fear the unknown, which I find interesting these days. It's almost like I remember the first time I traveled to Germany, 
back after a pair bought us. I haven't, I hadn't other been to Canada and Mexico. I haven't been out of the United States a whole lot at that time. And I spent, uh, and this is many years ago, I started to head off to Germany. And I remember the first time I went to Germany and not knowing a language, the language of the community and that you're in. And it really gave me an appreciation of what it was like to be sort of in this uh, class of an individual, which is different than the norm, right? Everyone mm-hmm. sort of knew I wasn't German, uh, even though I had a German name uh, at the time, and I couldn't speak the language at the time, and really had no knowledge of the language. So uh, it, it sort of gave me appreciation of what it was like to be somebody that's not in a, in a separate class in the sense of a situation. So I, I think many times, and there's a fear of unknown, I think the fear of unknown is this, and I know that even when we started in buyer, some of the first questions you always get, it's always the people who can find the reason not to do it right, and they shoot it down real quick. Well, you know, it's they don't understand it, so therefore they ask questions. You know, well, what's it mean to their office layout? We, You know, we're going to have to change. We, we have to invest a lot of additional money. Uh, how do you train them? Uh, you, know, it, you know, from a safety perspective, you know, how do you do So they come up with a list of five questions. And very quickly, the questions, since most people can't answer them very well, all confirm to the person who's asked the question, who may have gotten a call from you, saying, why don't you employ people with disabilities? Well, they may have go out and, and ask a few folks a couple of questions, and then all of a sudden it's always the people that create all of the questions, answers or questions to the question, that now put you know this, this uh, fear into you. And basically... I think you get into a point of you're gridlocked by fear. And it's mm-hmm. a fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how necessarily to break all that. I think more and more exposure. I think what we try to do is education, to me, has always been the key. Mm-hmm. And I know that even when we started at Bayer, when you first called us out there, and we've got people in, you know, did everyone have it all figured out? Were there people that said you shouldn't do it? Were there people in around corporate departments from a personnel perspective would say all the reasons why you didn't want to do it and, then you had the facilities people saying you're going to have to invest this kind of money. Uh, all that stuff was pretty much hogwash. Mm-hmm. And it was just because people did not understand. So we educated ourselves on what we had to provide and what the people needed. And what you find out in the end, there's very little, uh, especially today the way facilities are, are built and, and capabilities that are there, there isn't a lot that you have to really worry about. There may be some depends on the person with a disability to some degree. But in reality, the biggest issue is ourselves and the recognition and that it's something different. And I think we're uncomfortable. When we're uncomfortable, we find reasons not to do it. And I think that's where most people are. They do not understand. Uh, just like I think if they see a person, you know, they don't know what to do. Do you help the person if they're on the street or getting across the light, if they're, you know, sight impaired? Or, you know, do you help them in a situation? Some people are very uncomfortable. They don't know what to say. So I think most individuals that don't have that knowledge, and I think you find it in corporate America all over the place, it's so different from what they're used to and they're fearful because they don't know that they tend just to avoid it. Now, you know, I agree with you, and I remember when I had hired a person who was blind, who was working in a computer position out of town, and the company called me frantic. They just had to meet with me. This is when I first started the vendor consulting services over 11 years ago, and I couldn't imagine what this problem was. So I went to meet with them, and they said, all right, here, here it is. We see this guy going to the soda pop machine, and he can't work it right. What would we do? <laughs> I said, well, what would you do if I went to the soda pop machine and I couldn't work it? They said, we'd ask you if you need help. 
Bingo. Yep. That's the magic answer. But we'll talk more about it. It is an attitudinal barrier, and that's why Patty LaBelle singing New Attitude. This is Joyce Bender. You're listening to my guest, the president of Federated Services Company Dash Technology and the Chief Information Officer, Rex Althoff, a champion of hope for all people with disabilities. This is Joyce Bender, the voice of voiceamerica.com, and we'll be right back. Connecting your world. The Internet's number one talk and information station. VoiceAmerica.com At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race star. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show, and as we will be soon closing the show, you have been listening to Rex Althoff, who is the president of Federated Services Company-Technology and the chief information officer at Federated and a great leader 
in this country for all people with disabilities. Uh, Rex, one question I did want to make sure I ask you that everyone asked me is, what advice do you have for any young person with a disability pursuing a career in computer science or information technology today? Well, number one, I believe that uh, the, well, first of all, whether you're a person with disability or not, I think the same, you know, I've answered the same way from the perspective. I think it's a good uh, career to get into. It's a different, it's a changing career. Uh, but advice I would give in terms of someone who has an interest would be to, number one, seek out, if they can, uh, individuals that are in that profession. To, number one, better understand the profession if they need that knowledge and if they have a pretty good understanding of that. Then I would say pursue companies uh, that may be more friendly to internships or summer programs uh, and assuming that uh, there's a, they're going to follow through with some education and pursuing a degree or, or, or whatever it is in computer information or management information or even in business with a minor. I mean, I think today uh, the advice I would give is don't necessarily focus on technology by itself. I think complement it with another vocation in terms of a dual major. I was fortunate enough to do that even before it was really, I guess, somewhat vogue. Uh, but I know my training in the business side really helped me more than the technology. The technology laid the foundation. But the business side of it really, I think, helped me uh, to be successful in my career, and I give a lot of credit to that. So if someone is looking at this, I guess it depends on what their aptitude is. If they're really a, what I would call a real technical kind of a person, uh, then they need to focus on companies that probably develop technology. Because us in business today, there's less and less that we're developing, I mean, and we're buying more of it, and then having to put it all together, we call integrate it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more important. Uh, it depends on what side of that you want to be. If you're someone that really enjoys, you know, the inner workings of computers, then f- then look at companies where that's their prime mission is technology, delivering and selling technology to the general corporate world. And if they focus there, uh, and, and then they can then they focus their job career and search and their education on that line. If they want to be in what we call most of the majority of mainstream corporate America, there's obviously technology jobs. There are programming jobs and, and there are you know you know business analysis jobs and there's networking jobs. Uh, I would say Go to school, figure out what your interest is, what part you like better than the other, and then try to find where you're going. You know, some companies that you can get these job sharing, work sharing. Uh, universities have these programs where you can work part time and then go to school part, you know, a semester off or a few weeks and you get credit for doing both. You find a lot of companies working that way. You know, we as corporations are really concerned about, you know, in the future where we're going to get all of our people. I mean, the industry, the baby boomers are not beginning to happen. Uh, the skill sets of the baby boomers are not necessary. In many cases, the skill set we're hiring today, and then there's not a lot of people haven't you know have kind of avoided this profession because of all of the technology bust that happened several years ago. So universities are not maybe putting out as many college trained people. So I think the industry is a good opera is ripe for for individuals moving into it. Uh, but again, it's kind of, you know, if you don't really know where you are, then I would say kind of duel it for a while. Do a major. Find business or an engineering or a mathematics or I don't know whether it might be psychology or something like that. And then do a computer science kind of double major. And then hook up the technology with the interest that you have. 
you know, whether it's, it could be law or it could be a lot of things. I think you'll find technology jobs uh, that uh, in industry that if you specialize in one of those areas or, or generalize in one of those, like a business in general, with a technology, you're more valuable than someone that's maybe coming out with just a pure technology. You know, if I'm looking at someone coming out of school and they've had a good business and technology versus someone with just pure technology, most of my jobs are a combination. I have a few that are pure technology. Most of them are more slanted towards the business. And so I would advise them to to, uh, to head down that path. I think that would be the best way to prepare yourself uh, moving forward from an IS perspective. And, and as you already mentioned earlier, with assistive technology today, it has equaled the playing field for people with disabilities, so it really is a great area uh, to move into. Well, I agree with you. Yeah, the other thing I would say, look at what technology is going to take us in the next few years. I really believe, I mean, today you and I have this conversation, and I'm having mine in my office, right? I'm on, on the radio with you right, in my office. And yet, and yet Voice America uh, is headquartered in Arizona. Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, what we're going to see, I think, in the, uh, the few years to come is you won't necessarily have to go to the office every day. Many of our jobs will be where we work or in the area where we work. And so the technology that's coming to our homes that gives us you know, the ability to have more video and more voice and video, and then you have access to the you know, high-speed connectivity, very reasonably priced, I believe that we're going to be faced with having to employ people where they want to live, not where we want them to work. Mm-hmm. And I think that because of that, that's even more ideal for the person with a disability. Think about if they could work where they live, you know, three or four or five days a week and do the job, not have to go somewhere. You know, all of a sudden, we you know, that what happens in corporate America it takes that one last thing out of the way that people kind of. You know, they, they don't really have to deal with. If they don't understand it and they ignore it, today they don't have to worry about it. In the future world, they wouldn't have to know about it. As long as the resource is talented, can execute, you know, they're going to be less worried about what you and I might look like and how we behave uh, in terms of uh, personal appearances because if we get the job done and, we don't, and our jobs don't require us to interact other than over a telephone, it's a lot different than having to interact maybe face-to-face in an environment where people get more uncomfortable. So I think the... The use, the technology changes that are happening are even going to make it easier for us to maybe expand and use more people with disabilities around corporate America where today some of them may just be uneasy because they understand and want to avoid it. They wouldn't have to worry about it as much in the future. So I say pursue the career because I believe in four, five, ten years that we're going to dramatically change where you and I work and live. And when we, do we ever go to office? Many jobs will still be there, but many, I believe, will not have to be there. Right. Well, Rex, you've had so many great accomplishments in your life. I don't know what you're proudest of because you've done so much, but what would you say you're <laughs> proudest of? I know. You always ask these questions, and I have to admit, I'd never really think about that too much uh, and reflect on it, although uh, at times people ask me that, and I, I really struggle, quite frankly. I, I would say two things. If I look at what's one of my most proudest of, I, I would say, and it's a generic thing. I get my most enjoyment working with people, and I love to see people be successful. And I get more out of that when I see people really succeed. And one of the things I was just thinking, this came to me just recently, and someone said something to me, and I never really thought of it. But today, I know of at least, and my staff has worked for me in a management role, five individuals that are CIOs today of other major firms wow. in the country. That is awesome. So I never really thought of it that way, but someone said something to me, and 
So to have had, that to me says, gee whiz, I had, maybe I had a little impact on the five individuals that now are CIOs, right? Uh, so it doesn't necessarily, and many of them got a lot sooner than I ever did in yeah, terms that, of a title. You know what, that is a tremendous, that's tremendous. So that, I mean, I look at that as major. I mean, I can look at my projects and the things I did for the business. I think one thing that sets out that really amazed me that I was able to do, and it was when I first got to Pittsburgh, the first thing I mentioned earlier in the program, I was assigned to do a consolidation of all the North American data centers. I brought together organizations from four to five to six different companies, none of us which necessarily wanted to be in Pittsburgh or not be in Pittsburgh, and some of us viewed as losing because of where we lived. We didn't get our data center. We had to decide where to put one data center. We got everybody together, and we went through an evaluation, picked a location, the location we picked turned out to be Pittsburgh, it turns out, and it just happened it was not necessarily meant to be that way, but it's where we ended up doing it. We basically had to uh, bring all those organizations together, define what the issues were, pick the right place. It meant some people had to pick up and disrupt and move their people, to, their families to Pittsburgh. Some people at the end of the move would not be even employed uh, because we're eliminating jobs in certain parts of the country. Uh, we were able to do that. We had to reconstruct the data center, a major building project, including all the infrastructure and utilities. We did all that and completed it with no disruption of the business in less than 12 months. Wow. Well, you know what? That was major for me. You know what? I want to say this. I think you, I think that one of your greatest accomplishments also is what you said earlier, your development of people, because you truly are a great leader. You are a humble person. You always have time, any time I've ever called you, for any issue. Um, and, you know, just your being able to move into this position as president, that is great for Federated. So, Rex, I wanted to thank you for being on the show today, um, and I will look forward to having you on again. But before we leave the show today, I wanted to ask you, what message do you want to leave with our listeners today? Well, I guess quickly I would say change. And this is, we're talking about change. And I, I talk about this all the time, but this is a change in the way we behave, the way we think, and the way we operate. And it's also, it's always very difficult. And we recognize there's going to be blockers. I think we got to, first of all, recognize there's going to be people block us. Not necessarily intentionally, sometimes intentionally. Recognize this change. Change always takes a lot of hard work. Stay focused. Don't give up. And find people like yourself to help. And or you find us to help you because, quite frankly, you can't be successful without us helping you. And find someone inside the company, inside the organization that has a that has a person with a disability close to them, and they would be your strongest ally. And then educate, aware, educate, and find an opportunity that uh, it's a good fit. And start with one. Don't well, do I did start program. with one, and that was you, and I picked the right one. <laughs> um, and, Rex, we thank you, all Americans with disabilities, thank you. And before I end the show, I always leave with a quote from a famous civil rights leader, and I have to quote the Honorable Tony Coelho, because I just saw him last week, who says, Give us the right to be fired. Give us that right. You've listened today to Rex Althoff, CIO at Federated and a great American. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. See you next week. 
Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.